You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1208 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And today's podcast is going to break down all of what became a Hawks win in Oklahoma City, a 136 to 118 win over the Thunder. And I should thank you at the top of the podcast for making this podcast, Lots on Hawks, your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, our newly launched YouTube channel on the video side. If you're watching this, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. That does wonders for us and really, really appreciate all of the support. The Hawks were up really early and often in this one. They lived double digits the entire game, essentially. 15-point lead out of the gate. Kevin Knox had a, let's just say, a memorable explosion in the second quarter. The Hawks led by 31 points at one point in the first half. They scored a season-high 85 points in the first half. So if you miss this one, in some ways, you didn't miss a whole lot because the Hawks were never really challenged. It was just a pretty bad opponent that we'll touch on in a second. But if you watched this one, you certainly would have enjoyed an explosive offensive performance from the Hawks. And really, Nate McMillan said coming into the night that this is a game the Hawks had to take care of business in. And I use that phrase a lot as well to take a situation where the Hawks are supposed to win and they go out and actually do that. The Hawks have not done that all that well this year. They've been pretty bad at times in these spots where they are huge favorites. But in this one, they left kind of no doubt in this one. They certainly had some moments in the second half where they weren't perfect, but the lead was so big that it didn't matter. And a wire-to-wire victory to get the Hawks two games over 500 for the first time in a very, very long time. So we'll touch on all that in a second, but that's sort of the overview of what transpired on this evening. And again, another win for the Hawks. That's three in a row. They're not eight and three in the last 10 games. Sorry, eight and three in the last 11 games. And a lot of positives coming out of Atlanta right now as the team is probably on a plane as I'm recording this back to Atlanta from Oklahoma City to play again on Thursday. As for the matchup itself, the Thunder uh, are not very good. As I said a little bit on yesterday's podcast with Robbie Callen, by the way, if you missed that one, it's still very relevant. Talks about Trey Young's All-NBA case in the Eastern Conference. Robbie's always a lot of fun to talk to, and we are, uh, we've are we been friends for a long time, so that's a pretty good podcast, I think, honestly. If you want to subscribe to the show, check that out. I definitely would encourage you to do that. It's still very relevant at this point. But on that show at the end, we talked about the Thunder game a little bit, and the Thunder have been frisky on defense at times this year, but really their current form is pretty bad. And even when they had some of their guys earlier in the season, they are dead last in the NBA in offensive rating, which is noteworthy. Um, they're 10-33 in the last 43 games coming in, so they're 10-34 in the last 44 games. And before we touch on the Hawks' available roster in this one, the Thunder were missing a ton of players. In fact, they only had eight guys available. And this is not a disrespectful statement to make at least not on purpose. Um, but basically the Thunder did not have a single guy in their rotation or available in this game that I would say is a definite NBA rotation player, not even a starter. Like, for instance, the Pacers, who the Hawks have now swept this season, they played the Pacers earlier this week, and I commented that the Pacers were in bad shape, and they certainly were. But they had two guys who are NBA starters. They had Tyrese Halliburton. They had Buddy Heald. The Thunder, um, I-, I like some of their guys. Pokoshevsky is a pretty interesting player. Teo Maldon's kind of interesting as well. Um, Isaiah Rowe is not too bad, but really they have no one on the team that was available in this game that was even a rotation player, much less a starter or a high-end starter. So it was pretty pretty brutal but from a depth standpoint and a talent standpoint for the Thunder. The Hawks were not exactly themselves either from a full-strength point of view. Gallinari missed this game again. He was questionable, ruled out pretty early in the day with the right elbow contusion. Jalen Johnson, unfortunately, was out in this one. He actually entered the concussion protocol 
on Wednesday after being elbowed in the head late in Monday's game. There was some uh, – they were trying to wait on that, at least not evaluate him until later on, closer to game time. But he ended up being out for this one. And he obviously would have played a lot of minutes had he been available. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, though, did come back and play. He missed the game on Monday kind of unexpectedly, was questionable coming into the night, but ended up playing and uh, at least giving them some minutes and uh, sort of getting his feet back under him after a brief absence. And, of course, John Collins is still out for the Hawks as well. So, you know, Hunter coming back made it to where it wasn't such a dire situation at the forward spots, but still the Hawks were missing three of their top four or five guys at the power forward spot, including the two star, sorry, the starter and the backup at the four. So not their usual team either, but with all of that out of the way, the Hawks were 13 point favorites in this spot on the road. And I know I always talk about point spreads and uh, our friends about online have been awesome about sharing that stuff with us. But I will say this as sort of a way to get into the game itself. Um, it's pretty wild for the Hawks to be favored by that much on the road because they were 14-23 on the road this season coming in. But that's how bad the Thunder roster was. Just for reference, this is the first time the Hawks have been more than eight and a half point favorites on the road all season long. So four and a half more points than any other time this season on the road. And of course, they ended up covering. It got a little dicey. If you laid the points with the Hawks in this game, it got to 14 in the fourth quarter. I'm sure you were probably losing your mind. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, they were able to cover and uh, lead wired wire. So we'll get into the game now. Might be a little bit shorter on the podcast because, honestly, when there's a blowout of this magnitude, there isn't quite as much to cover, but we'll still do our best to give you the comprehensive picture, as we always do on the show. But really, out of the gate, it was kind of over before it started. It was 14-2 to two in favor of the Hawks at the outset. Threes by Trey, who hit two of them, and TLC had a three right out of the gate. The Hawks scored 14 points on their first six possessions, which is obviously fantastic. Um, and the Thunder, at the same time, only scored once on their first six trips. Capella had a huge block, and they were kind of setting the tone very early, which kind of goes to what Mill was saying before the game started. Like, there's no reason to take this game lightly. Even on paper, it was obviously a lopsided matchup. Coming out of the gate, strong has always been the Hawks' strong suit, so they did that in this game. In fact, the offense was just ridiculous. I mentioned it earlier, but the first half was a clinic in offense from the Hawks. They scored 27 points in about six and a half minutes at the outset, which is enough for a full quarter for the most part, and they did that in about a half a quarter. Um, they were 11-13 from the field and 4-5 or five from three with no turnovers. That's kind of ridiculous. 27 points on 13 possessions, which is, uh, do the math there, more than two points per trip. That is elite and uh, unstoppable, basically. Trey had 14 points in his first seven minutes on his own, made his first five shots, of course, in his homecoming back to Oklahoma City, where he uh, grew up close by and obviously played college basketball in Norman. Um, the Thunder had one run in the first Half of this game was a 9-2 to push from the Thunder in the first quarter. When the Hawks finally start scoring every single play, a uh, quick timeout from McMillan along the way there, but um, you know not a whole lot of fear going through the Hawks at that point. Rotationally, it was very similar to normal. Bogdanovich in first for TLC with Hunter going to the four. They used a Congo in right, and actually the only thing that was sort of off kilter was Kevin Knox ended up playing in this game and actually playing quite well. He came in, not I was not a huge surprise by that, but honestly the Hawks have been using their nine main rotation with Collins out. Um, so they had to slide Knox in and, you know, given the way he played in the first half, he was going to play in the second half for sure. We'll get into that in a second. But basically Hawks dominated the first quarter, up 18 at the end of the first. They scored 42 points on 24 possessions. They shot 79% from the floor. The Hawks' best shooting quarter of the entire season. One more time, 79% from the floor, 5-8 from three in the first. They had eight assists and three turnovers. That's a great ratio, obviously, as well. Trey had 19 on his own and four assists. And uh, he played the whole quarter, but still was extremely efficient and extremely productive in his uh, in his homecoming. Uh, Capella six rebounds. The Hawks were just kind of wire-to-wire -wire dominant in that first period. 
And that was also their best defensive quarter of the game in my mind because they were actually kind of dialed in. It was not fantastic defensively the entire night, but in the first quarter, they set the tone pretty quickly, and that was a, they were sort of able to hold on from there. Uh, we'll get into what happened in the second quarter as well as the second half of this game and some takeaways, player observations. But I'm going to stop here a little bit earlier than usual to get, go to our first break because there's a, there isn't as much to cover the rest of the way. But again, uh, suffice it to say, in retrospect, anyway, the Hawks, this game was over at the end of the first quarter. It was really over at the end of the first six minutes, but uh, we'll come back to all of that in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. NBA fans, if you're looking for a daily fantasy option right now, if you are, check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It's so easy to use. All you have to do is pick two to five players and over on, under on their projections. One of ten times on any entry, it's just you get the projected numbers. An entire entry can be made just a minute or less. It's very, very simple, and PrizePix is also safe and offers fast withdrawals. PrizePix offers props on almost anything you can think of, including points, rebounds, assists, and even steals. They have mixed sports entries if you're into MMA or soccer baseball, etc. You can pair stuff together and use those skills at the same time. And for a limited time, Prospects is an exclusive offer for all of our listeners and all of our users. It's really a no-brainer, honestly. You get $50 for free when you use the promo code NBA at Prospects on your first entry if a player scores even a single point in that entry. That's right. Exclusively offered to locked on fans. Sign up today, use the code NBA, and get $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores a single point at Prospects. Check it all out right now at Prospects. All right, we'll dive in now, second quarter of this game, and it was more of the same from the first. The Hawks scored 42 points in the first quarter and 43 points in the second, which is uh, you know kind of outrageous, to be honest with you, but it's just what happened in this spot. Um, Lou Williams came in as a 10th man. He played after Trey played the entire first quarter. But actually, um, if you want to say the weakest part of the entire game was potentially the Hawks the first like two minutes of the second quarter, the Thunder scored their first six points of the period to get back within 12. The Hawks missed their first six shots in the second quarter. But from that point forward, it was an explosion. Uh, in fact, Kevin Knox did a thing. So the Hawks went on a 10-0 run immediately from there. But it was a personal 10-0 run by Kevin Knox. I made the joke. I'm not even picking on Kevin Knox. I think Kevin Knox is better than people think he is, honestly, especially defensively. But even with as much as I have kind of poked fun at the Thunder available roster in this matchup overall on Twitter and otherwise, uh, not even I predicted Kevin Knox to have a 10-0 personal run in the first half of a basketball game, which happened in this game. Uh the Thunder turned it over three times in a row, knocks it two threes. He finished the log, got to the line. He was really good in that stretch, playing with confidence. And it became a 22 to three overall run by the Hawks to go from up only 12 to up 31 in very short order. Like Donovan hit three threes in a row in about a minute, which kind of put the game away in some respects. Then Knox caught a lob from Lou, another timeout by the, by the Thunder. At that point, the Hawks had 64 points in less than 18 minutes of clock time, which is just a. Uh, not what you see every day. A 173 offensive rating at that stage. They had 15 assists in 18 minutes. The crazy thing is, again, even with the Hawks doing that um, statistically, they actually missed their first six shots of the second quarter. If they hadn't done that, it would have been even crazier. Uh, didn't slow down much from there, though. They kept the pedal down to the floor really the entire rest of the first half, um, trying to run up the score and kind of put the game away. Defensively, it wasn't quite as good in the second, but the Hawks scored 85 points. They scored 40-plus in both quarters. The season high coming into the night for any half, first or second, was 77 points, and the Hawks scored 85 points. You don't often set new season highs in late March by eight full points in a half, and that's what happened in this game. I thought for a brief time, and I tweeted through this, I just want to explain the background, that it was the franchise record for scoring in a half, but that was not the case. There was an old Hawks PR tweet that I misinterpreted, so my apologies. But that was the Atlanta record for a first half. What it was, though, was 85 points in the first half was the most the Hawks have scored in a first half in the shot clock era. So like 40-plus years 
basically. So kind of ridiculous way they performed in that spot. Again, on the road. The first half record, by the way, if you're going all the way back, is the Hawks scored 94 points in the first half in San Diego back in 1970. Um, and I spent a lot of time on that. It's kind of funny how much I spent, I spent on that during halftime, but because the Hawks were up by 27 points, I had that luxury. Anyway, as for the rest of the uh, analysis from the first half, they had a they had a 160 offensive rating at halftime. Um, they got the Lions 16 times and 15 of them, 17 assists, four turnovers. Trey had 30 in 17 minutes in the first half. Knox had 15 points. Bogey had 14 points. So they, they got 29 from those two guys off the bench. That was uh, almost half. In fact, that was half of what the Thunder scored as a team in the first half. In fact, it's going to sound funny. The Thunder were actually pretty good on offense in the first uh, first half, a little bit, at least the second quarter. They should have 6% true shooting in the first half, and they were down by that many points. So it was <laughs> it was 85-58. So the Thunder were down 27 points, and they had a 60% true shooting. That is hard to do in a half, but it happened. The Hawks turned them over 10 times, and there was a lot of positives along the way. The third quarter was uh, kind of more of the same. In fact, it was kind of a break-even quarter. The Hawks ended up losing the third, which is funny, by one point. But they had 100 points with more than 18 minutes left in the game. Uh, that's pretty crazy in itself. Um, it really wasn't the best quarter overall. Trey kind of went into uh, shot creation mode more than anything. He was not he was not as efficient in the third quarter. He kind of led a, a pretty big celebration when he got to 40 points. I'm not sure if that was the goal or what at the end of the third quarter, but he was definitely jacking a little bit. Took 11 shots in the third. Wasn't quite as good. But even then, the Hawks were up comfortably the entire way. Um, and through, through three quarters, he had 41 points and never came back in the game. So Trey was fantastic when he was out there. In the fourth, my only quibble was they probably played Bogdanovich a little bit longer than I would have because he's been on the injury report a while uh, recently. But to be fair, like they kind of ran the office through Lou Williams a little bit, and Lou was the only guy on the roster that really struggled tonight. So I kind of get a little bit of that. And Nate is obviously a very conservative coach about not uh, pulling guys too early. In fact, there was a moment that I thought the Hawks might put Trey back in the game, and I would have been uh, not pleased about that if I was a Hawks fan. But there was a challenge with about seven minutes to go by Nate that was unsuccessful. It was a clear path foul, and I thought it was the right call to challenge it live, actually, but it, you know, they, it, it didn't win it. And the Hawks didn't score for three, for three minutes in a row. And the lead was like 17 to 19 at that point. Like it wasn't over, uh, even though it was because, you know, if you, if you do the math, like I thought, Nate, if it was about, if it had been ugly for a couple more minutes, they might have put Trey back in because the Hawks, again, didn't score for three three minutes in a row. So, but uh, Kevin Herter hit a couple threes to kind of end any doubt along the way there. And the Hawks really took it easy down the stretch, I will say. You know, they did not put Gorgie Jang in, who they probably could have used in this game, but everybody else was playing down the stretch. In fact, the Thunder had an 8-0 run in the fourth quarter to get to 14 points with two minutes to go. I want to stress this. It was not at all competitive, but it was within 15 in the last two minutes. Alas, the Hawks led by double digits in this game for the last 39 minutes consecutively and ended up winning by 18. So uh, we'll get into the takeaways now briefly from this one. Not a whole lot to get into in terms of the numbers, but the Hawks ended up with a 132 offensive rating, which is some, it was actually somehow higher than that in the competitive portion of the game. But even with the uh, garbage time and the slowdown at the end, the Hawks shot 54% from the floor, 46% from the three on big, on big volume in 20-22 at the free throw line. They had 28 assists and 13 turnovers, which is a good ratio, 50 points in the paint. Lots to look at that were uh, pretty good there. In fact, though, if you want to nitpick a little bit, the Thunder actually scored above their season average in both total points and points per possession in this game. So it was like the Hawks were great on defense along the way, but they were fine, I thought, until the game got out of hand. So that's worth saying. And they also forced 18 turnovers by the Thunder, who were not taking care of the ball at a high level in this one. As far as overall stuff is concerned, you know, I will get into the player evaluations in a moment. But I'll just say, like, 
as much as I will put, poke fun at this game and say, well, look, there's not a whole lot to take advantage of and, like, and sort of observe from this game because of the fact that the Thunder were quite bad. I'm not saying that to be malicious or take away from what the Hawks did, but essentially the Thunder were using a G League team in this game and a G League team with eight, with eight players. They don't really have anybody. You know, Lindy Waters, who I kind of poked fun at last night with Robbie, shot the, shot the heck out of the ball, hit seven threes. But like, I'm not even trying to be hyperbolic. This is a team that would have not looked out of place in College Park. Um, and the Hawks were playing not their entire roster, but certainly most of their guys, Trey Young was dominating, et cetera. But it's a win. It counts as a win. It's all that matters. And uh, we've talked about this for a while, last couple of weeks and even months, that the Hawks had an easy schedule down the stretch. And that was the case here. And yeah, they won three games in a row. And the competition was not fantastic in two of those games. But every win against the Thunder and the Pacers still counts the same. And they have to get those wins. So they went out and did it. And uh, that's kind of all that matters in this spot. Before we get to the uh, player evaluation portion of the podcast and much more, of course, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. This year, I'm trying to eat right, and I managed to actually stick to that with the help of Built Bar. In some ways, not really a resolution for me, like a really a goal at this point, because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. The protein-infused puff bars, they're fantastic. All the other fan favorites from Built Bar, each and every bar is, has 100% real chocolate on the outside, which makes a huge difference, and they all taste fantastic. On top of that fantastic taste, Built Bar has low-calorie and high protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve your nutrition overall. Built.com has all the info that you possibly could need on the nutrition side, and honestly, I'll be blown away by it because most Built Bars only have 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a very low calorie count. Built Bar has long-time flavors that I love, like coconut almond and many, many more, and new flavors coming all the time, plus each and every one is delicious. Best way to check out all of the stuff at Built Bars, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That's 15% off on your order with Built Bar. If you use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at built.com. All right, we'll dive into the player evaluations now. It'll be brief in some respects. And basically, almost everyone was good in this game. I think the only guy who wasn't was Lou Williams. He only had two points in 14 minutes with one of half the floor. Uh, I think he struggled, but uh, you know, what, what am I going to say? Pick on him too much here. It wasn't that big of a deal. He wasn't good, but there you go. Uh, DeLon Wright did, did not score. Only took one shot, but had six assists, two steals. Was DeLon Wright, for the most part, was plus eight in his 26 minutes. Bogey was really good um, as he's getting a little bit healthier, it seems. He was not on the injury report, but that's a win because he's been questionable for three or four games in a row. He had 20 points on 14 shots, took eight threes, three assists, two steals. Looked just fine to me and uh, obviously was very efficient along the way. Kevin Knox with the best uh, and most prolific game of his Hawks career, 17 points. In fact, he had not scored more than, I believe, seven points in a Hawks uniform at any point, and he outdid that in about two seconds <laughs> when he came in this game. Uh, obviously not sustainable to have him score a point per minute that he plays, but I thought it was good to see Knox play with some uh, with some joy. And it was fun to see the bench reactions um, to where to when he had it going. Obviously the Hawks were rolling, but especially for Knox, a guy who's been on the, on the roster for not that long, but obviously he's not been playing a ton. Um, he's been a plug-and-play guy for them, played some defense when he comes in. But it was cool to see him have that moment um, in his uh, free agency year, by the way, also. Um, Okongwu, three, po- three points, 13, 13 rebounds, though. I picked on Okongwu for rebounding for a while, and he was really good on the glass in this game. So that's actually a credit to him. Had three assists. Um, only one or four from the floor, but um, other than that, he was pretty solid, I thought, in this one. Um, of the starters, uh, you know, Capella was just fine. He had four points and 11 rebounds in 20 minutes. Only took two shots at four fouls, but, um, you know, did his normal stuff defensively. Had a block that was a pretty big one in the first quarter. Um, TLC played just fine, 10 points on eight shots. Plus 15 in 23 minutes, three assists, three rebounds, had a block. He was active defensively and just did his job for the most part here. Um, Hunter returned and uh, had some nice moments, had 19 points on, I believe, 15 shooting possessions. It was pretty efficient there. Five rebounds, 
and a block for DeAndre in 30 minutes. He played a little bit more than I probably would have wanted him to with the uh, with the knee balking at, at the end of the game, but uh, no complaints too much there. Herter shot the heck out of the ball in this one, had 20 points on 10 shots. That's a good ratio if you're scoring at home. Um, three steals also for Herter in this game, two rebounds and, and, and an assist. Played very well. And then Trey Young was, of course, fantastic. Only played three quarters and had 41 points and eight assists. Um, he did slow down a little bit in the third, but, man, his first half was just pinpoint ridiculous. And, yes, you're playing as a bad team, but he took them apart. And uh, not everybody can do that, even against a bad opponent. And Trey was extremely prolific. And, uh, obviously, we talked about his All-NBA case last night. Um, the short version is that I believe he should make All-NBA. I'm not sure he's going to in the, in the practical world, but I believe he definitely should. And uh, he definitely has a chance, by the way, to finish the season leading the NBA in points and assists and total points and total assists anyway. So that's in play, and that'd be ridiculous when the second time in NBA history. So uh, that obviously does not uh, hurt that 41 points in this game if you are Trey Young. From here, the standings um, were not a whole lot of a big change in this one for Wednesday. Um, the, the Nets were off, so the Hawks made up a half game on them. But the Hornets won. Uh, they beat the Knicks tonight. So the Hawks are still a half game behind Charlotte as of March 30th and a full game behind Brooklyn in the standings, so the Hawks are still in 10th. But uh, something to keep an eye on here as we sort of transition into tomorrow's game, and by the way, it is a back-to-back. The Hawks are only three games behind Cleveland for the seven seed. Now, uh, they're still behind two other teams, so that's not just a one-for-one. One, one for one. But they, put, they actually play the Cavs on Thursday at home. It's a back-to-back with Tribal, which is obviously perilous always in the NBA. But number one, it's at home. Well, the Hawks have been pretty good this year. Number two, the Cavs also played tonight, and they played on the road in Cleveland. Sorry, they played they played at home, but obviously they have to travel now to Atlanta. So the playing field is pretty level there, and of course the Hawks have home court advantage. Cleveland lost to Dallas tonight, and that brings the Hawks win three games of them. Um, it'll be interesting to see who plays in the game on both sides. Uh, Evan Mobley is going to be out uh, for Cleveland. Jared Allen has also been out for a while for the Cavs. That's two of their best three or four players. That's obviously very noteworthy. Um, Gallinari will see Jalen Johnson. I would, I would guess does not play because concussion protocol usually is not a one day thing. So I would guess he would not play with nothing official right now on the back to back, but we'll see what happens there. But if the Cavs are without Allen and Mobley, they're not the same team by any stretch. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll just say this. If the, if the rosters are similar to what they were tonight for both teams, the Hawks should be favored and volume will be favored at home in that one. I listed this game as sort of the coin flip, coin flip category coming in because the Cavs have been playing pretty well this year on the whole but given that again it's at home that the uh i believe the hawks are as good or better than the Cavs, even with the three game deficit this season um and you know i think cleveland's lost four of the last five so it's not exactly the same cleveland that we saw earlier in the season that upset the hawks at the first week of the season etc so we'll see but the hawks could get within two of cleveland if they were to win on thursday now i will stress it still be two games back with five games to play which is a pretty uphill battle um, and again, with two teams in between them, but not impossible. It is still possible. I believe coming into the day, the Hawks um, were like something like 1% to get to the uh, number six seed, sorry, to the number seven seed on basketball reference. I'm going to get this up now before, this is before the game started today. It was a 1.3% chance. So that's, it's higher now than it was then because the Cavs lost and the Hawks won. So that's a big win in that standpoint. But I still think realistically, you want to get to try to, Try to get to eight seed if you're the Hawks, but seven will obviously be the best case scenario possible. So a big game through that lens on Thursday. We'll have full coverage of that contest as we always do on the podcast, but really I would say not quite as favorable a situation as it was against the Pacers or the Thunder or actually having the break that the Warriors not, did not have Steph, but still a game in which the Hawks should be favored as long as Trey is playing and they have some semblance of health. So we'll see what happens there. And again, you know, the games are getting less and less down the stretch here. I love games. I'm lo- I'm someone who loves to cover games, but 
Only six, six games remaining in the season. Obviously, play-in stuff is uh, almost guaranteed. Uh, Fred Katz tweeted out tonight, and I, I will be uh, sort of reaffirming that now. The Hawks have not clinched yet a play-in berth. The, the Nets actually have. Um, the Wizards and Knicks are still technically alive in the play-in chase, but the Hawks are about to lose out, which I cannot imagine happening, to be honest with you. And then also you have to have the Knicks or Wizards or both win out, which I also can't imagine. So the Hawks should be uh, locked into at least the 10 seed at this stage, and we'll touch on all of that stuff moving forward after the game on Thursday and into the weekend, etc. Please subscribe to this podcast. I've been saying this for a while, but if you're a new listener or a first-time listener or watcher, thank you for joining us on the podcast. But please, please, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and especially on YouTube these days. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We're almost there, but not quite almost there. So we're trying to get there as fast as possible. Please go ahead and do that. Even if you're not planning to watch a ton on YouTube, I do understand that, but it helps the show to subscribe and watch and also share. Five-star ratings on YouTube, on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, reviews, etc. And please tell your friends. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Thank you again for listening or watching the show on this fine Wednesday. And we'll see you after the game on Thursday.